Before starting this episode of Season 2 of the Untold Stories of Open Source, I'd like to thank the thousands of listeners who joined us for Season 1. It's gratifying to know people are finding value in these stories, which leads me to a request. If you find our show useful or entertaining, please recommend us to two friends or mention us on your social media stream. It's the best way we know of to grow our community. Thanks in advance for your support. Enjoy the show. With major software vulnerabilities popping up on what seems like a weekly basis, and government regulation imminent when it comes to providing a software bill of materials for any application sold to the United States government, collaboration on open source security is no longer optional. Many companies, large enterprises, have come to realize that it's better to work together to find common solutions rather than go it alone. Some financial service companies have been hesitant to embrace the inevitable move to open source. They perceive it to be more of a risk than a reward. The promise of innovation through collaboration hasn't been enough to change that perception. Even proven ROI hasn't done the trick. So what's the answer? How do we reach financial institutions that are holding out? How do we help them make the transition? You know, the best communities are built over a beer or over a mocktail, depending what your preference are. Despite open source communities are very well positioned to build amazing things in a completely distributed fashion. Make no mistake, you need someone who is able to energize your community and is able to create that level of empathy between the cause that you're trying to solve or the mission of your foundation, the sometimes scattered way that they could be engaging. That sounds simplistic, but think about it. When it comes to online distributed communities, we respond to recommendations from those communities every day, whether it's high ratings on Amazon or when using Yelp to find a place to eat. Community is the new recommendation engine, a group of people with common interests who are willing to offer what they have in exchange for collaborative improvements. There are certain people who not only like to participate, but like to lead in the open source community. In today's episode, we'll talk with one of those people. Stay with us. You are listening to the untold stories of open source. This week, coming to you from the farmlands of central Vermont. Each week, we choose an open source project or a person behind a popular open source project to uncover its untold stories. Since you work with open source, and you do whether you know it or not, you're in the right place. Gab Columbro believes in the vision of open source. It helps that he likes to talk and has a gift for socializing. You can hear it in his voice when he talks about growing up in Sicily. I was born in Italy. I grew up in Sicily, of all places, which certainly has a lot of widespread knowledge. Uh, and I think also sometimes this whole, a little bit exaggerated mafia myth 
my dad is from Naples, my mother from Umbria, so Rome was a good place to be <laughs> in between the two countries. Despite holding a master's degree in computer engineering from the University of Rome, Gab wasn't always a tech nerd. His friends were the geeks back in high school, not him. He'd rather be outside playing soccer or at the beach talking to girls. There wasn't much emphasis on computer science in the classroom. In Italy, we have either classical or scientific high school. And I wasn't the scientific specialization, but we didn't have a lot of computer science programs at that time at high school. With high school drawing to a close and college approaching, Gab drew inspiration from his parents. His mother was an interpreter, and his father worked for an American company as an engineer, so speaking multiple languages runs in the family. Since they both studied at the British Council when they were younger, through high school, in the afternoon, when I'm done with school, I will get on the subway in Rome, get in the middle of Rome in one of the best buildings uh, there, and yeah, I had two years at the British Council to just get to my baseline understanding of English. But the motivation to embrace computer engineering came from a different place. Funny enough, what I've learned is that I'm a guy that really needs a lot of motivation to perform. We did one of these aptitude tests at the end of high school. My dad wasn't really pleased with the results when he came back and said, I'm not sure if this guy can even go to college. Maybe if he's really, really, really motivated, he can do that. And so my dad wasn't really happy about that feedback. His father's reaction threw a wrench into the gears of Gab's college plans. It was either going to be medicine, because my best friend was going to med school, or languages, studying English. I have a huge passion for languages. I speak three languages. And, you know, candidly, that's also where the most girls were. Not one to back down from a challenge. He set out to show his dad what he was capable of. And so those were honestly the two best candidates until this computer engineering thing hit me. My dad is an engineer. I've always wanted to show him what I was capable of. And sure, it sounded really like a good future-proof career. And so I jumped into computer engineering. If Gab had gotten a better grade on that test or his father was in a better mood that day, open source would be missing one of its champions. That bad test score set the stage as Gab pursued his degree in computer engineering. As a side note, you'll hear the terms computer engineering and computer science used throughout these untold stories. There is overlap, but the terms aren't as interchangeable as they might seem. Computer scientists design software and develop algorithms to solve problems, while computer engineers focus on building hardware and networks to interface with software and transmit information. The difference matters to those who wear the battle scars from the engineering curriculum. As Gab explains it, I keep saying computer science, but actually it's computer engineering. And I'm very proud of actually being an engineer. Sometimes the word engineer is overloaded. I don't want to sound stuck up here or arrogant at all, but, you know, I've had to study some pretty complex basic engineering subjects, which I've probably lost a few hair for. Still, computer engineering didn't mean open source in those early days. 
Proprietary software was lacking the sense of freedom and movement that Gab enjoyed in his high school days. My first experience with programming and building an actual production software was really this massive, you can only work in the office type thing because there are server-side components and infrastructure that sits all over the place in test staging in production. There's no way you can ever work from home or build the software on your computer. But this was the future-proof career that he'd signed up for, and he didn't see much of an alternative. And then the phone rang. One day... I get a call from what I would say is my mentor in open source, Gianugo Rabellino, CEO of SourceSense, later and currently at Microsoft. I remember he called me and was like, hey, do you want to go to Amsterdam with your best friend to work for the Ministry of Finance and Foreign Affairs to build this website in Apache Cocoon? We're going to give you twice of the pay that you get now, and you're going to spend the weekends in Amsterdam with your best friend. And so I sort of played cool. I was like, uh, yeah, let, let me think about it. And I hung up and, of course, called him back 30 seconds later. Yes, please, let's go. Let's do that. So my bad test score and a phone call from a mentor. Two life-changing catalysts. Things were lining up for Gab as he entered the world of open source. It wouldn't be trite to say his life changed forever after that phone call. And that was really the moment in which I transitioned into open source and open source development style, which still strikes me today as we don't realize how privileged we are in working in open source and being so used to download whatever you want, build it on your laptop, you're on a train, you're on a plane, you can just continue working and being productive. Gab was free, free from the confines of the cubicles and proprietary software. He fell in love with open source. Whenever I got my first Apache address, I was the happiest kid in the world. You know, I could go out and show off my Gabriele at Apache address, and, and that would make me instantaneously cool in the open source community. And can't really fathom how amazing it is, how lucky I feel to be able to work on open source. And the reason why I mentioned that is that I still see that this is not something that People understand how powerful it is. People that have worked in a corporate environment and in proprietary software for 34 years just don't see. Gab wanted to show others the freedom and the utility that he now enjoyed. He was the founder and project manager for Maven Alfresco SDK from 2009 to the spring of 2016. There, he focused on the life cycle of applications and improving the developer experience key enablers for enterprise projects and open source community. Over the course of the decade, Gab gained the experience needed to lead the Symphony Software Foundation, which transformed into Phenos when he realized there was a much broader opportunity available. We were created by 12 investment banks to foster an open source community around this open source software called Symphony, which is a communication and collaboration platform that was supposed to be regulated and allow communication across banks, especially across investment banks, buy side and sell side. But the project outgrew its initial ambitions as a new vision became clear. We were able to create trust among these folks, having fierce competitors 
feeling comfortable to talk with each other and also to talk with each other within the regulatory constraints, again, showing how conflict of interest, antitrust, and all those things were dealt with. We quickly realized between 2016 and 2018 that there was a much bigger opportunity than just building a community around Symfony. We launched Finos in 2018 as the foundation that would enable collaboration across the whole industry, not just investment banking, not just the sell side. Today, Finos is a community of developers, technologists, and industry leaders from the world's largest financial services and tech firms, collaborating on a wide range of open source projects. Gab led the negotiations and closed the merger deal to bring Finos under the umbrella of the Linux Foundation. You're listening to the story of just one of the 700 projects supported by the Linux Foundation. We are much more than Linux. Projects such as the Open Source Security Foundation, ONAP, Kubernetes, Hyperledger, and RISC-V all call the Linux Foundation home. If you're looking to contribute to an open source project, there are dozens that can use your help. If you have a project that needs support, bring your project to the Linux Foundation and have full access to the support resources we can provide. At the Linux Foundation, we help open technology projects build world-class open source software, hardware, data, and standards communities. We'd like yours to be one of those communities. Go to linuxfoundation.org to get started. That's linuxfoundation.org. The mission of Phenos is ambitious, and some minds are not easily changed. There's an age-old debate, or rather, an old-age debate. What do you do about the decision-makers who aren't open to change? Do you try to win hearts and minds, or do you play the waiting game and let them age out? In 2022, there are still a few strangleholds of folks that have not experienced the benefits of open source directly. To me, I'm all about trying to get them on board. That said, we're not going to be able to win every single battle. So there's mm-hmm. certainly an element of aging here. Gab's optimism remains steadfast, even as he describes how far behind financial institutions are at this point in history. There's nothing, frankly, different from the conversations that I've had over the last five years with financial institutions. Given the regulated nature and the more conservative nature that we're just getting to have those conversations, but really the value proposition around talent, around efficiency, around cost reduction, around better efficiency and interoperability is literally verbatim the same conversations that we've had with other industries, with the tech industries and with governments 15 years ago. 80% of the bottlenecks and regulatory issues that banks suffer from are a shared problem, and the entire industry will suffer if they don't work together. When you work on these big problems together, you can then focus your resources on differentiation. 
Through Finos, Gab calls on financial institutions to put aside their differences to tackle those shared problems. Larger clients have armies of developers to contribute to this effort. One of my board members at JP Morgan has 60,000 IT persons under them. I don't even know what would I do with 60,000 developers. It's just such a, a huge number. When you think about regulatory requirements and matching those regulatory requirements, those embody the perfect potential for open source collaboration because, look, it's requirements that apply to the whole industry. Everyone has to work against them. They don't add value. If anything, they're an item on the bottom line for regulated institutions that have to comply with that. Therefore, they're trying to be as efficient as possible in complying with those requirements. And number three, by definition, they require transparency. Most of regulatory requirements for financial institutions are about transparency. So how about we actually (laughs) collaborate on at least interpreting and implementing those requirements together? But he doesn't want to stop there. He wants to get regulators on the same page to create a holistic open source environment from end to end. Regulators. Now that's an interesting proposition. Sooner or later, hopefully before my grandkids grow old, regulators should find a way to participate and get into the fold and potentially even produce machine-readable open source regulation. And that's why one of the biggest areas for Finos is open rec tech. It's really trying to bring all the constituencies to the table to mutualize the cost of regulation. Finos announced the launch of the Open RegTech initiative in November 2020. The aim is to expand the successful open collaboration model built between financial institutions, fintech, and technology firms to regulators and regtech companies. Part of GAB's mission is to explain that open source integration is non-optional. Users and regulators demand secure interoperability, and financial institutions need open source to deliver that security. In order to do business, a bank must interact, transact, must trade with a pretty broad amount of counterparts. Whoever sits on the other side of the trade, the regulators, several vendors that are in the middle and do settlements, clearing, reconciling. I've always thought that this is an industry that is by design, way more interconnected than your big tech industry or any other industry. The value chain is really flowing across multiple parties. With financial institutions struggling from the locked-in nature of proprietary software, executives are looking for alternative solutions. They're starting to realize that there's more to gain from open source than there is to lose. The good news is that open source's foundation in collaboration makes it the perfect candidate to solve problems that banks are facing. It comes back to the value chain flowing across and through multiple parties. That seems to me 
the primary reason why you would want to have a better interoperability and a better standardization in terms of APIs, in terms of data. I'm biased, but we definitely think <laughs> open source can deliver that. Technology alone isn't going to provide that common solution. This has led Gab to a fundamental realization, which influences his approach to community building and open source adoption. I have come to realize over the years that the best communities are built over a beer or over a mocktail, depending what your preferences are. Communities are very well positioned to build amazing things in a completely distributed fashion, in a geo-distributed fashion, completely asynchronous. But make no mistake, you need someone who is able to energize your community. In order to build a community, you have to give them something to rally behind and a vision to contribute to. Financial institutions want to know that they can reach that destination without significant losses. This is a pretty polarizing industry. There's no denial. But it's not lost on me how, going back to that sort of liberating aspect of open source, you are not going to be able to build a community just by having a kick-ass piece of software, just by delivering ROI to the decision makers. To move the decision makers, you need individuals who can energize the community. Gab draws on his personal experience and the excitement he felt when he got his first Apache address over a decade ago. He's also inspired by the passion of the open source advocates he met along the way. Gab met James McLeod while trying to sign Lloyd's banking group in the UK. When I came across this amazing guy, James, I saw the commitment towards this idea of improving engineering experience in financial services is the person that I think embodies just the satisfaction of sharing this beautiful way that is open source with folks that haven't been able to experience it. I think community advocates and developer advocates play a really important role. By this point, Gab had learned the lessons of how to attract the major players in the financial industry, and the next step became clear. He had to merge Finos with the Linux Foundation. If you ask me, this was really a match made in heaven. I am going back to that cause or mission versus technology differentiation. We are a pretty unique foundation in the sense that we are a industry vertical foundation focused on primarily the business problems of a single industry. If you compare that with the majority of open source foundations, they all start with a pretty strong piece of technology that is horizontal in nature and then gets applied over time to multiple industries. Between 2018 to the start of 2020, Finos had grown to the point where it was reaching escape velocity. The project was ready for the next step in its evolution. The foundation had matured to include a variable set of projects, and Finos wanted more upstream influence. The value added was clear between Finos and the Linux Foundation. There were complementary value propositions, and the timing couldn't have been better. 
Gab made the transition to the Linux Foundation just weeks before the pandemic. What value, though, did the Linux Foundation provide that the project didn't already have? The first was, Phenos had too many processes and too much automation for its relatively small size. Taking off our plate the need to manage the day-by-day operations and instead being able to focus on solving those major business challenges that the industry still has was something that was very much highly regarded by our board when we joined. Secondly, the global footprint of the Linux Foundation. We are a pretty global foundation in nature ourselves. The financial system is one that, again, is global and interconnected by nature. And so being able to leverage the global brand and the global operations of the Linux Foundation was certainly a second point. The final contributing factor reflects Gab's personal vision for open source. Before the merger, he would hype up the differences between Phenos and the Linux Foundation. But ultimately, he realized that they're on the same team and have a lot to learn from each other. Gab wanted to bring the two foundations together the same way he builds collaboration between competitors in the finance industry. In the end, we are open source people. Fragmentation doesn't help anyone. When I saw the opportunity of bringing together such a large technology producer like finance into the largest shared technology investment in the world, while, by the way, fully retaining our independence, that for me was almost a no-brainer. We want to bring these two foundations together. We want to cross-pollinate the East Coast and the West Coast. We want finance to influence upstream projects, but we also want tech to be able to influence finance in the way that they carry their technology workflows on a day-by-day basis. And so I'm all about building bridges. The very idea of personal finance is changing. A new generation is starting to focus on the industry as a career choice. They want to be part of a technology community that is making changes on a global scale in an industry that affects every person on the planet. This is an industry that is undergoing a massive revolution over the last five to ten years. Now we have not only the fintech wave, you have blockchain and the whole decentralized movement it's almost redefining what it means to be a financial institution, what it means, what currency means, what payments mean, and trying to shift this paradigm from centralized to decentralized. So the banks need to adapt or die. Those are the two choices. Within this context, the value added from Phenos is clear. If you plot this generational change that is happening in the financial services industry, and you realize how much within the context of talent crunch that the U.S. is experiencing, you add how much the new generation kind of rather work for a tech company than for a bank that sort of changed over the years. I think talent is the third major reason why creating an open ecosystem of open software in financial services will result in a much higher 
potential hiring targets for this organization, hireable audience of developers for these institutions. The pieces to the puzzle are out there. Each piece is with a different stakeholder, and it's just a matter of bringing them all to the table to put it together. Gab embraces the challenge and looks forward to taking the next steps of his journey alongside the Linux Foundation. The Linux Foundation did such a fantastic job in marrying individual contributors with corporate contributors. It's not lost on me that we wouldn't be here talking if the LF and other foundations didn't do such a fantastic job in really funneling major funding in open source. I do think that there is a huge opportunity in Europe to bring in also the public sector into this conversation. Open source, as we were talking before for regulators, has the unique potential to be transparent, to be innovative, and to really, as a positive sum game, deliver advantages to each of the constituents. That final point is worth repeating. Gab sees the potential for collaboration, not just in North America, but in Europe, where there's a strong grassroots movement and an opportunity to bring the public sector into the open source conversation. I'm still very much connected to the roots. When I grew up in Europe, between Italy and Amsterdam, I am very much looking forward, and you'll hear from me more, to really bring back some of the experience that I've garnered here in the U.S. to the European ecosystem. It's going to be a fundamental and fun challenge for us in the next couple of years. Our program today was produced by the team at the Linux Foundation, including James McLeod from the Phenos Project, Chip Stewart for promotional management of the series, Melissa Schmidt for graphic design, and Noah Lehman for social media support. The narration for this episode was written by Mark Levesque, with music and soundscapes from Blue Dot Sessions. Our website, where you can listen and download every episode, completely ungated and free, can be found on our GitHub project or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcast. Speaking of subscribing... We'd very much appreciate you pressing that subscribe button and becoming part of our growing community. I'm Mark Miller, back next week with another untold story of open source.